0: Some might say this looks a little bit like storytellers, but in effect, isn't that what kind of um, preaching is, telling a story? Uh, I've heard it also been said that uh, parables are earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Um, So what I thought I would speak to today is really um, the process by which uh, I choose which texts to preach from, um, and how impactful I have found that to be um, given how I primarily preach from the lectionary. Um, quick show of hands how many people are familiar with what exactly the lectionary is? Okay, so in the um, Uh, late 50s a group uh, and that really came together in the early 60s a group of denominations uh, got together in what's known as the Council on Common Texts and so it included um, many of the mainline Protestant churches, a few of the Baptist churches, the Roman Catholic Church was also there as well and so they came up with an arc um, that is a three-year trip through scripture. And so every Sunday there's going to be an Old Testament passage, there's going to be something from the Psalms, there's going to be something from the New Testament letters and there's going to be a gospel reading as well. And so um, the three years are called years A, B, and C. Um, And in year A the primary gospel texts come from Matthew. In year B, the primary texts come from Mark. And in year C, the primary texts come from Luke. And you might be asking, well what about John? And they say that's okay, John sprinkled in liberally throughout. You know, besides John's kind of doing his own thing with the spiritual emphasis, so we're gonna get that spirit pushed throughout the entire year. So, a okay so here's the quiz okay so if a is matthew and if b is mark and if c is luke uh and if the primary texts this year are in year b um, which text would we be looking at mark yes yes um and it's also worth noting that the um the church year um begins Um, with Advent, that is the season of preparation leading up to Christmas, Um, which I always find kind of neat because when the uh, rest of our American context is celebrating that great feast of Thanksgiving, um, that's typically the last Sunday of the liturgical year. And so I just love how there are these harmonies that are there about how the text intersects with reality. Um, another one of the reasons why I'm going through this extended excursus today is because um, the wonderful reading, thank you very much, yes, go birds, um, literally that is the lectionary text for today. You know, and so when this was designed, you know, again, the better part of 55 years ago, um, you know, some might say, well, that's coincidental. Uh, I would say, no, that would be providential. <laughs> Um, and so when I was communicating with the, our, um, board of directors at work this week, I did close with, you know, for those of you who are looking ahead to this Sunday, I just want to remind everyone that this coming Sunday, the fifth Sunday after Epiphany, which is the date of, uh, of this Sunday, uh, you know, here's the, here's the Old Testament close. Um, you know, it's also fascinating how, uh, relevant, um, the word can be, Uh, when you're really kind of not expecting it. Um, And that is that when uh, the president was making unfair comments, uh, uncharitable comments about people from other countries. um, The gospel text for that week um, was actually talking about how Jesus came from Nazareth and nothing good ever came out of Nazareth. You know, and so preacher Twitter literally blew up like, oh my goodness, you know, the lectionary's dragging the president. Um, <laughs> you know, but again, it's, it's, I mean, so part of my larger framing question is like, why, why does that surprise us? Or why should that surprise us? You know, because if God's word is for all people at all times, well, then it seems to me that we would be looking for more intersections like this um, and not be so surprised when, oh my goodness, you'll never guess what happened. Scripture's actually relevant and applies to my life. Um, so, again, why, why should that be so surprising? Um, just another small um, excursus on this. Um, the previous context um, uh, where, actually, let me stop just for a second. So, another one of the reasons why I found preaching from the lectionary um, is, for me, very helpful is because it, it also keeps me theologically honest. Um, again, First insight, if you will, is you know, preaching from the lectionary, these times, these texts that have been chosen a long time ago, how strangely relevant they are to reality. The second thing about keeping theologically evident or theologically honest is that, um, you know, if indeed one is going from a different pulpit to a different pulpit every Sunday. Um, well, there's a a really good risk um, that one could only have one sermon and you're getting really good at delivering that one sermon, Um, which again is really not theologically helpful. Um, Another thing is that there was a time in the previous community of faith that I served that we decided that we are actually going to step away from the lectionary And that we were going to um, preach um, uh, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through a particular book. Um, And so um, this is what's known as uh, Lectio Continua. Um, That is just preaching continuously. Uh, And so this community of faith was really kind of wrestling with what it meant to be the church. And so I thought that it would be interesting to see what would happen if we were to preach through Acts in all 28 chapters of its glory. And the idea was, well, if this doesn't work, well, then we'll just kind of jump back to the lectionary. But let's just go ahead and see. And it's really interesting um, because, well, first of all, it only took us two and a half years uh, to get through uh, Acts. Um, but the other interesting thing uh, was that um, the church uh, actually uh, increased rather dramatically in size. There were uh, 40 people that were worshiping on average every week, and by the time we finished, it was north of 60. You know, and one of the questions I was asking people was, um, you know, what, what, do you, what do you like about this? And they're like, we always know what you're going to be preaching on. And so we actually find ourselves reading Acts. And when we come to something that's not familiar, um, we know that that's probably where we are. Um, you know, Because, of course, um, the bulletins didn't make it home with you know exactly what the schedule was going to be. Now, we had taken, again, two and a half years uh, to do this. Uh, and in a pattern of things that literally could not um, have been made up if you thought it, much, my, much like the lectionary passage today being uh, lifted up on eagles' wings. Um, here's the passage um, from Acts 27, um, verses 13 and following. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the nor'easter swept down from the island. The ship was caught from the storm and could not go head into the wind, so we gave way to it while we were driven along." Um, That was the passage that it was actually the day before Sandy hit. Um, And so again, you take a look at um, these providential sequences, and it is absolutely stunning. Um, As a matter of fact, um, our mantra uh, for that service uh, was have a great storm and um, this was in central Jersey um, which did take a a fair brunt of it. Uh, The town that I grew up in, Tom's River, actually suffered the greatest per capita or per person damage um, of the entire storm. Um, And that was just absolutely horrifying, seeing the pictures there on the news of the streets that you grew up playing in. Um, But all this to say, it was able to recenter and refocus. And so while some members of the congregation uh, were uh, without power for five days, um, I was amazed at the following Sunday, they said, yeah, um, we we, we had a great storm. Um, And so... I find it helpful how things can be um, repositioned. So when it comes to actually what's at stake in the word, um, one of the things that I'm grateful for is the insight of the 20th century theologian Karl Barth, um, who had a little bit to write about theology. Um, That, by the way, is a bad theology joke uh, because he had a lot to write about it. Uh, his church dogmatics are actually in 15 volumes. They're 9,200 pages long in total. And it only took him 35 years to write them. And the only reason why he stopped is because he died. Um, yeah, it's in four volumes, and he had planned on actually having a fifth volume, um, but he literally never got around to it. What Bart puts in the dogmatics um, is... Um, with his, his focus on the Word, it applies in a multitude of different ways. Um, first of all, he looks at the Word as the written Word of Scripture. He takes a look at the Word as the Word made flesh in Christ, and he also takes a look at the Word as it guides and informs our lives by the Spirit. And so, for me, I find myself always kind of looking through these different lenses as far as what's at stake in this. And so, yes, the, the passage from um, uh, Isaiah um, is, is, is very cute um, you know, given the context of Super Bowl 52. But for me, it's not so much the last verse as it is again, where it starts out in the larger context, you know, Isaiah forty verse one begins, "Comfort, comfort, oh my people," um, you know, which uh, Handel used when he put um, the Messiah to music, um, and that starts off for me one of the most um, beautiful passages um, of of music, um, but for me. There there is this great sense of of comfort that's here um in verse twenty-seven. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? You know, and by the way, this this is the, the, the moral equivalent of um, you know, any time in you know, very rarely do I actually go by my full name of you know Raymond Earl Bonwell the you know, normally I'm just Raymond Bonwell. You know because anytime my mom would say Raymond Earl Bonwell the 3rd, it's just like just duck and cover. You know because you know that you're in trouble whenever you get the full name treatment. You know and so what God is actually speaking here is is with this reference of O oh, Jacob, O oh, Israel, it is this sense of the full name treatment. In other words, this is a signal marker listen very carefully to what's going on and listen to these words. Why do you say my way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And here it is. Here's the hope. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like E-A-G-L-E-S. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Which, by the way, I was kind of... You know, so uh, another piece of this is that, you know, again, as we take a look at the intersection of the word and the world... Um, You know, I've I've always found um, uh, sirens, you know, as in um, police sirens, ambulance sirens, fire sirens, um, as, as a wonderful call to prayer. I mean, anytime you hear a siren, there's the opportunity for what technically, theologically is called a helicopter prayer. You know, it just literally goes straight up to God. God, please be with the caregivers and those in need. I was actually kind of hoping that the street would be a little bit more rowdier, and that is that we'd actually hear some eagles' cheers out there. I mean, because, again, here's the opportunity for us to realize that we are and we can be and continue to be lifted up on wings of eagles because there is a God who we worship who does love and care for each and every one of us very, very much. Two more points. One is that... um, Uh, Again, Bart um, was asked, um, you know, of all of the um, you know the writings that you've done, if you had to sum it up, how would you sum up um, uh, your understanding of Christian doctrine? Uh, And 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 Bart says, um, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, again, these power of these small, simple truths. Um, you know that are there in music, and I also think that it's important to note that there are times where, um, and we certainly see this in Scripture as well, that there are times when um, people are just waiting for the word. Um, you know, just as uh, you know, another uh, bit of, of theological humor. Uh, you know, there in the Old Testament book of Ruth, uh, of how there's a famine in the land. Uh, and so Ruth and Naomi, uh, they, they go to Bethlehem. Um, and that, of course, is really funny. And the reason why it's really funny uh, is because uh, Bethlehem, Beit Lechem, literally means house of bread. You know, so here it is, famine in the land, and they're going to the house of bread. Um, I said it was a bad theological joke. You know, but, um, but Amos also speaks, um, I think, uh, he says, you know, yes, there will be a famine in the land, but not a famine of food, but a famine of the word of the Lord. You know, and that for me is really, really kind of challenging where you are in a place um, where, um, uh, where it's just silent and, and we're waiting for the word. And we're waiting for the word, and we're waiting for the word. And, and where is the word of the Lord? I mean, there's some times where it's just silent. And yet, in hope, we can move forward because of what Scripture's promises are certain and true. And so this is also another one of the reasons why I find this threefold word as very helpful. You know, as the word in Scripture, the word in Christ, and the word as it leads us by the Spirit. So that's how I kind of figure out what I'm going to start from every Sunday and launching through and so um you'll be hearing more in the uh, weeks ahead about the Lenten exercises that we're having um you know again to show that God has a wonderful sense of humor um Ash Wednesday actually falls on Valentine's Day February 14th you know and to show that the joke's on us Easter's actually April 1st this year yeah yeah I I, I mean the um, again when you take a look at the collision of um, of of the word and the world um, and the sacred calendar and the secular calendar. I mean everything's firing on all cylinders. Um, I also think that the word can come to us in a couple of different ways. You know, and this is another one of the reasons why um, music as um, music as ministry uh, is so uh, very powerful because it does um, show us uh, another avenue and another way, uh, which is why we are so um, blessed and highly favored with the talent that we have for this I give thanks, for this we give thanks. But I also think that there are times to recognize when there are, um, there are these periods of silence. Um So you can tell um, when the our children were born um, pretty much by taking a look at when my uh, the publication dates uh, of the CDs that I have. Um, you know, I have about 600 CDs at home, uh, and uh, I, I think I've bought 15, Um, since 1997, when our first child was born. All this to say, um, just really, really love music. And so, um, right immediately after 9-11 was really kind of the first time in my life where, like, music, which was always my go-to thing, like, it just, no, just not right now. You know, because I didn't know exactly what it was, like what's going to speak to this? Like what's going to make sense of this? And so I just kind of sat comfortable in the silence for a while. Um, and it was actually the, the hymns that brought me back um, to, to music. Um, so uh, trauma revisited again, uh, two and a half years ago, where literally outside of church um, I haven't listened to any vocal music. I've just been going all into um, you know, not only classics and jazz, which I've always enjoyed, uh, and the jazz classics, of course, um, but um, uh, instrumental music, um, Hammock, Tycho, The American Dollar, highly recommend all of them, um, because there are times where there's, there, there just aren't words um, However, the very good news is is that um, Christ has risen, that Christ has conquered death, um, and that we can be restored to a right relationship, not just with God, um, but also with each other. And that is the word of hope that we see, not only here in Isaiah, um, but also in the larger arc of Scripture. This is the final point. One of the parlor games that I like to play is if you had to sum up the arc of scripture in one word, if you had to sum up the entire arc of scripture in one word, what would that one word be? So for the longest time, I thought that that word for me was transformation. You know, that is, here it is um, uh, that we are uh, transformed by God. But then the more that I thought about it, the more that I realized that that was really kind of a selfish internal look, Um, and what does that say um, about um, our neighbor? Uh, And so that's where um, I've changed my mind again, and now I think that the arc of Scripture um, can be summed up in the word uh, reconciliation. You know, that is that I can be transformed and reconciled to God, and I can also then show that same transformational reconciling love with neighbor as well. And so that's kind of the welcome question, you know, is what's your word? You know, and it doesn't have to necessarily be the capital W word of the threefold movement of Scripture, um, but what is it? Um, and um Ultimately, it is uh, my hope uh, that your word uh, gives you hope. Um, Because as we've seen here in the text in Isaiah and in all of scripture, there is much to be hopeful for. uh, Even if we're not exactly sure how it's going to end, we know that it will end well. And so that ends today's storytellers. Let us respond instead.